Good morning, Richard. Great Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Richard, based on the topic we just covered during this session uh, this morning, I would ask um, you what's the view of the academia level, what our clients are saying, having been part of several CXO forum and discussing about uh, this topic, indeed, about innovation, digitalization, open banking. Okay, yeah, yeah, thanks, Mando. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I run a number of CXO forums um, where we get uh, head of risk and uh, head of technology uh, on calls with, uh, with other customers of ours. Um, and uh, we've done that for right the way through the, uh, the pandemic. Um, and I think it's been very clear that there's been a shift in attitude towards customer experience in particular. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's been fairly um, consistent across most markets that uh, customers have had to move online uh, and a lot more customers are a lot more comfortable with operating online um, and therefore they get a lot more um, choosy shall we say about uh, the providers that they use that they, they expect a lot more because they're used to interacting with the likes of Amazon and uh, those sort of organizations in an online way and they expect a similar level of service um, and lots of organizations probably had digitization on their strategic roadmap um, pre-pandemic. Um, most organizations uh, had some form of digitization project going on. Some organizations had appointed a head of technology, uh, sorry, a head of transformation or a head of, a head of digitization. Um, but what we saw was a lot of those projects suddenly became priority number one. Um, and some organisations managed to switch quite uh, quite easily. Um, some organisations were kept, uh, were, were, were found to be a little bit behind everybody else and, and had to had to move very quickly. Um, and, and many organisations are still in that transition phase. But a lot of that is driven by uh, customer experience and, and the need to be able to um, offer a, a high level of um, uh, of, 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 of positive customer experience in, in those um, digital interactions. And I think um, this is born down in, you know, pre pretty, pretty basic research that we saw a long time before the pandemic, that if you can get your customer experience right, then that drives a good long-term relationship. So, for example, we were seeing in collections already, um, you know, that, that those days of when you um, measured your, the effectiveness on your collections department on you know the, the dollars collected for the dollars spent those days were starting to be the days of the past anyway you know we were already starting to see uh, collections departments looking at customer experience and looking at you know those customers who've been positively recovered from the collections um, process if they've been treated well if the nps of those customers is positive um, they become a long-term advocate of that organisation. They become very loyal. They're likely to buy additional products and services. So that change was already happening, but but certainly the pandemic has, uh, has, has accelerated that. And I've had conversations with customers about you know, ethical collections and you know how how you can approach uh, the collection collection activity with a customer without putting them in undue stress. Uh, additional stress because of everything that's going on with the pandemic and trying to understand whether their job loss is temporary or it's likely to be permanent and how you can restructure the loan and give them payment holidays and those types of things 
all what they what, what have been termed ethical collections and it's all driven by the need to drive a better customer experience okay thank you richard um related to you just mentioned that of course in the last year there there's been several changes in customer behavior right uh, but I guess not only customer behavior, but also on the credit profile, okay, uh, and the way the ability to repay their debt, uh, both for individuals and, and the companies. You know, the point is that how now data need to be adapted, data and the way we use those data need to be adapted to this new environment. Yeah, so it, it, it's an interesting one because um, <clears throat> I've been, uh, I've been I've worked for Experian for 20 years and in that 20 year period you know I've talked to lots of organizations about the power uh, of the data that they already have so you know that 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 idea that if you own the current account or you own the credit card you have lots and lots of transactional data um, and that transactional data can be used to profile the spending activity of the customer um, and you can uh, drive a significant amount of insight into that customer. Not many organizations actually did it. And one of the reasons they didn't do it, or two of the reasons they didn't do it was, one, it was quite complicated to manage that volume of data. And two, the technology wasn't really up to the job of um, analyzing all of that, those huge volumes of data and, and making sense of it. Um, and in the, in the last sort of three or four years, a number of things have happened. Um, the first is the technology has come on a long, long way. Um, so we now have, you know, big data environments, the Hadoops and uh, H2Os of, 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 of that and, and ever increasing power in those types of environments. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, the advancement in analytics, so advanced analytics, machine learning, AI, they've, they've gone from being a little bit out there to, to, to being mainstream. Uh, and lots of organizations are now looking at their, uh, their, their, uh, their models and looking at how they can use AI and machine learning. I was talking to one organization who, uh, who was telling me that, that something like 70% of their models now have some form of machine learning and AI. That, you know, that was almost inconceivable um, maybe three or four years ago that, that, uh, that, that organizations would consider using an AI algorithm to, uh, to make decisions on customers. But it's the only way you can do, you can process that volume of data. Um, and, th and then of course, the third thing that's happened is that um, there is a need to be able to explain that to the regulator. Uh, and the regulator, you, I mean, Experian has developed its, uh, its explainability model within its um, power curve strategy management. Um, suite and and th that is really needed to be able to explain to the customer and to the regulator about how you've made those decisions. So over the last two or three years, those things have sort of come together to enable what was in theory possible before to be in practice absolutely possible. So the categorization of transactional data, you know, we've we 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 do that for many many customers today. It's, it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's becoming um, a lot easier than it was. Um, and building models uh, and um, models that learn and adapt around that data is becoming uh, a lot more straightforward. But that's great for the retail banks, uh, for those banks that own the banking relationship and the credit card relationship and things like that. The other significant change, of course, has been the open banking legislation, which makes that data accessible to those financial services organisations who just get one payment per month 
for the for the loan or the uh, leasing contract that they might have they now suddenly have access to all of that data as well um, and if you can get the customer to share that data we can help you to you can get a huge amount of insight, infinitely more insight into that customer than you ever had before. And it's relatively straightforward. It's available as a service. It's available um, to, to plug into your existing decision engines. Um, and, and so that transition over the last couple of years, uh, maybe three years in particular, I, I think is going to transform the way the credit industry um, uses data. Um, and, and of course, you know, we now have a lot more data you know structured and unstructured data you've got data that you can get from social media sites that will become more acceptable and more usable within the credit industry um, as organizations and credit committees and regulators get used to the fact that we are using machine learning and ai and we have the ability to be able to explain how those models are um, are predicting risk and and um, uh, and, and how that transitions into decisions on customers. Great, really, really interesting, Richard. And uh, so uh, now looking about looking ahead about the future. So you already mentioned this uh, something that will happen in terms of data, but what are the main trends do you expect in the credit industry in the future? What are the other things that most probably gonna you know change uh, the way we are gonna work in, in, in the following years? Yeah, so I think um, <clears throat> I think that 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 move to, um, to to the more mainstream use of machine learning and AI. So we, we have lots of organisations um, who have you know data science teams. Uh, they have data scientists working on these. Uh, and 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 one of the things that um, I hear quite a lot is that um, uh, uh, developing models is quite hard, but becoming more commonplace. Actually implementing them. Is, is relatively hard work and I, th I think there's a stat that something like 60% of all machine learning models that are, that, that are developed never get implemented um, and those that do get implemented only get implemented in a in a sort of pilot and, and never become uh, part of the operational uh, makeup of the organization. I think that will change um, as, as organizations get more used to um, the management of the data, because you know the the, the big issue is the uh, operationalization of the data capture uh, in real time, so that you can use that data in the uh, in the decisioning, and as I've already mentioned, the explainability to the uh, to the regulator. I think that will become more mainstream. Uh, so lots of organisations, and particularly those organisations that are more innovative, uh, will get an advantage by using that data. Um, the data that's available will become a lot more. You know, we see that over the last uh, few years that there's been a, an explosion of data. You know, and data in itself has no value. Um, it, it's just a, a data pool, a data lake, a data ocean, whatever you want to call it. Actually using that data is relatively hard. Um, what, what you need is the analytics um, to make sense of the data to provide you with insight. And I've already talked about the machine learning and AI uh, the advanced analytics that, that is becoming more commonplace. Um, but you then need to be able to put that analytics into some sort of decision uh, and you need to be able to operationalize that, which I think is one of the key challenges that organizations are facing today. Um, but once once you have done, once you've put that structure in place, the, the availability of the data in the data lake um, uh, that, that you, you are uh, using 
that that data lake is only going to get bigger. It's there's only going to be more data. You're probably going to end up using more unstructured data. Uh, you know, we we already have products where we use uh, Google search data to predict risk, and we're finding that those models are relatively uh, good in terms of di uh, differentiating uh, good from bad. You know, to a certain extent, they are sometimes nearly as good as Bureau data in in the SME space in particular. Um, so I think a lot more of that type of unstructured data will get used. Um, but I think the big change that's uh, that's coming is on the technology side. So, so the move to cloud um, is is almost overnight. We've seen organisations whose IT strategy had been pretty much fixed for the previous 20 years, which was build it ourselves, uh, host it ourselves, um, and and you know on-premise deliveries of uh, big software projects, almost overnight. Uh, that's that's completely gone out of the window because of the pandemic, because organisations realise that that makes it difficult for them to respond and react to to big strategic change. Um, and uh, most organisations that I talk to now have a cloud strategy. Some organisations have switched to a cloud only strategy um, and that makes the access to data a little bit more difficult in some ways. But it makes the turning on of services, the adoption of uh, new services uh, a, a little bit easier, relatively easy to 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 how it was before. Um, so I think that will be a big change that organisations and particularly uh, people in the credit risk industry will have to get used to um, because that will open up some opportunities. It will also create some some difficulties in, in terms of uh, regulation and um, uh, you know where, where the data is stored and, and, and those types of things. Um, so, so that's they're the things that I I think will be uh, will be driving the agenda on these types of conferences going forward. Great, Richard. Great way, really good way to close our session today with a lot of insight uh, about uh, you know main trends in the credit testing, what's happening in EMEA. So, thanks again for your participation. You're very welcome, and uh, hope everybody's had a great conference, and uh, hope to speak to you all soon.